Locked On Podcast Network and Bet Online present NFL Key Predictions. The local team experts of Locked On NFL give you the inside knowledge on the biggest games of the week and betting advice from the field's leading experts. You are Locked On NFL Key Predictions. Hey everyone and welcome into NFL Key Predictions. I'm Jordan Black. As the NFL enters week seven, there's no longer room to be surprised. Teams like Atlanta and Seattle have fought their way to 500 records and deserve some respect while the likes of Pittsburgh and Chicago have uphill battles to get back on track. We kick off our coverage in Cincinnati, where the Super Bowl loss may have finally worn off. Now, for the Atlanta Falcons, 2022 was meant to be a rebuilding season. Veteran QB Matt Ryan has been replaced by journeyman Marcus Mariota, and yet the Falcons are 3-3. Three and three. Winning three of their last four games and coming off a surprising win over San Francisco in Week 6. If there's another win in store, it'll require Huntley, Algier, and Mariota to keep the ground attack humming having combined for 160 rushing yards just a week ago. The Cincinnati Bengals had a dismal start to their season, starting out 0-2 on the year. Joe Burrow has now thrown for nine touchdowns and just one pick over the past four games, however. With 27 or more points in their three wins this year, the recipe is to score early and often. Aaron Freeman from Locked on Falcons and James Rapian from Locked on Bengals break this one down for us. All right, guys, let's get into some predictions here. Like we mentioned, the Bengals, big favorites at home. And the Falcons, a matchup that I think, honestly, both of these teams are in advantageous matchups on offense. Just because the Bengals are constructed, I think, to deal with some of the high-flying passing offenses in the NFL without DJ Reader. The Falcons constructed to run the ball well and have shown some vulnerabilities against the pass. So to, to me... The makings of a shootout are there. Aaron Freeman, what say you? I think it will be, I think you'll see glimpses of it, right? I think you'll probably see what we've seen a couple of times now with the Falcons on the road where they get off to a little bit of a slow start offensively and that allows their opponent uh, to get an early lead like we saw again uh, against the Rams in, in the box on the road. Uh, and so, you know, that will probably lead to Bengals fans maybe be a little bit confident if they find themselves up, you know, 14 to nothing or something, uh, you know, going into the second quarter. But, you know, the Falcons are just going to keep chipping away and, and running that football. And I think they'll get back in the game. But I do not necessarily expect them to pull it off again on the road. Uh, I do think the Bengals will have just enough firepower. Jamar Chase might get loose one too many times or T Higgins, or of course I, I got to give a shout out to my uh, pit alum, Tyler Boyd as well. Yes, um, sir. You know, they might get loose one too many times and that will be just enough for the Bengals to hold on to a win. So I have the Bengals winning 27, 23, but I do think it is going to be like every Falcon game this year, go down to the final possession uh, and potentially whoever has the ball last. Uh, will <laughs> wind up winning the game. All right. I'm just proving it here. Uh, and for the podcast listeners, you, you can't see. But read that score. I know my handwriting stinks. It says 27-23. Uh, okay. I just wanted to prove that because that's what I had written here. As a, Right before we started, I was like, all right, what's my score going to be? And so me and Aaron, uh, we're in lockstep. Look, I, I think this Bengals offense, they're not going to go drop 40 on Atlanta. That's not going to happen. Uh, because I, I still think they're working through some things, and Grady Jarrett is a game wrecker. And, and you know, I, I think 
we're going to get that mixed bag where there's multiple drives where it looks like it's really easy for Joe Burrow and the Bengals to move up and down the field. And that has not as much to do with the Falcons defense as it has to do with this Bengals offense and the talent that they have. And then there's also going to be the breakdown where Joe Mixon fails to pick up a blitzer or, you know, Cordell Volson just can't hold up against Jared or whatever the case is. And they go quick, ugly three and out that includes a sack. But I, I think they do just enough here to to get to four and three, uh, to turn a corner. I, th- I think Burrow played his best game uh, of the year last week against the Saints. I expect more of that. You come home. The Bengals haven't been a great home team over the past year plus. That needs to start changing. They're one and one at home. I, I think they get to two and one. And like I, I just spoiled, 27-23. I think that that's, uh, that's going to be the score. Weird, weird that we're in lockstep with that score, Aaron. Sounds like there's some consensus, to say the least, to understate it. We got identical (laughs) scoring projections from these guys. We started the show talking about whether the Bengals are turning the corner and whether the Falcons are for real. James, you seem to think that this is continuing the upward and in some ways slow trajectory for the Bengals, particularly on offense, scoring only 27 points against the defense that I think I know they haven't given up over 30 this year. I think there are points to be scored on this defense if the offense continues to go in the right direction. And there's not a a step back for the steps forward we've seen from them in the second half of the Ravens game and and last week against the Saints. Meanwhile, Aaron, similar conclusions for for the Falcons, which I guess I want to tie it back to the original conversation. I I know we talked about Casey Hayward, but is is – this a, a referendum on the Falcons or at all? What, what do you think that that would say about the rest of their season? I don't think it would say much. Um, you know, I think the Falcons have proven so far that they're a good team. I don't think they need to prove that they're a great team by going into Cincinnati and beat the, beating them. Um, obviously, I think that would be a lot of people's takeaway that, hey, you know, this Falcons team is is scrappy, but they're even scrappier because now they've won two out of the three games that most people going into the season, myself included, assumed that they would lose uh, against San Francisco and Cincinnati. And, and again, playing, you know, the Bucks down uh, to that final possession. Um, so I, I don't think it will say too much negative towards the Falcons, because, again, as I said earlier, like they have a soft part of their schedule coming up. They got Carolina twice. They got Pittsburgh, Chicago, Washington. So it's not as if this is a game that they need to win uh, to keep their season, you know, momentum moving forward. So I think if they just continue to show that they can play um, with, you know, good teams, which I think Cincinnati is, they just haven't shown it yet. Um, I think that's all they really need to prove this week. And, you know, I think they have a, a good chance of coming out with a, a W, but obviously I'm not necessarily predicting at this point. Meanwhile, some injuries to overcome when we talk about the matchups on both sides, losing a starting cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons and the Bengals without DJ Reader, without Josh Tupo, without a true nose tackle currently on the 53-man roster and losing their best linebacker in Logan Wilson. But there, there are still some solid players for that defensive front in Cincinnati. Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson both having really nice years. And Akeem Davis-Gaither and Jermaine Pratt, the other linebackers for the Bengals, solid players. And Aaron, you talked about a big opportunity for Darren Hall to show that he can be the starting cornerback of the future in that Atlanta secondary. But James, I think my, my favorite matchup is Aaron's favorite matchup in this game when you look at the Jamar Chase, A.J. Terrell factor going back to AJ Terrell looking for some redemption in this one. Who do you think gets the best out of that matchup? I mean, 
If you want to bet against Jamar <laughs> Chase, you can bet against Jamar Chase. I mean, the man's done what we've we've grown accustomed in and Falcons fans are used to it, right? Watching great receivers do insane things. Jamar's just different, man. And so uh I, I'm not gonna bet against him. You know, he's had a couple of these games. Uh the the um Diggs, uh Trevon Diggs in, in Dallas, right? That was a rematch too. Uh, of a guy that got beat up on by chasing college and, so, and Diggs got the best of him in that one game. I, I mean, got the best of chase. There are other factors, but he did continue. Micah Parsons was more important. I, I'm just going to clear out the other factor, but, but I like where you're going with this, Jake. So keep going, keep going. No, I, I, I think chase can, can beat anybody. Obviously. I mean, we've seen him beat everybody. He he does sometimes go go away for a second, but yeah, I mean we see him do it all the time. The question is, is it even going to be AJ Terrell versus Jamar Chase, yeah, or is it going to be two on one or three on one like we saw uh, yeah. at, during one point during that Cowboys game? And so that's the that, that's the part. And by the way, I would double him if you could take Chase away with two guys. You do it because this offense isn't the same without Jamar making big plays, especially He's, if T isn't one hundred percent. We saw the Saints last week play this. The Saints obviously doing a lot of matching in their secondary. The Saints playing quarters man match in their secondary, but they also had a bracket on Jamar Chase, which in quarter, I think it was quarters man match. I was talking to our, our film buddy Mike about this, and it's just bizarre. It ends up with five guys deep and three under because I think they dropped eight. And it, it just looked strange because they had the bracket on Chase back there. Teams paying a lot of attention to him, and the Bengals, to their credit, moving him around a little bit more. I think his highest percentage of snaps out of the slot and, and putting him inside of T Higgins, for example, in a two by two formation, putting him at the slot with T Higgins outside is another thing they've been doing. So it'll be really interesting to see how Atlanta matches up. And both of you guys agreed. There's not even anything to really recap when it comes to the, to, to the predictions. We have the exact same score. Do you think it's a, a dramatic finish to the game? Is it a walk-off touchdown Aaron or, or is this less dramatic than that? I, I think, you know, there's probably going to be a field goal. You know, Evan McPherson putting the game away or uh, Young Way Koo kicking uh, a game winner or something like that. I, I think kickers are going to matter at the end of this game. And now from Locked on Bets, here's Lee Sterling. This is Lee Sterling from Locked on Bets and Paramount Sports with your bet online prediction for the game between the Cincinnati Bengals at home laying six points against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, biggest surprise in my opinion, this year, the NFL, believe it or not, the Atlanta Falcons. Most people thought they'd be one and five at best, maybe two and four. They are three and three. In fact, all three of their losses by a combined just 11 points. How have they been successful this year? Running the football, the third ranked rushing attack in the NFL. So Marcus Mariota, he presents a different type threat running the spread option. He's run for 206 yards and three touchdowns, keeping defenses honest. They don't see that type of attack. Young players like Kyle Pitt, tight end from Florida, second year, he's really coming to his own, and also rookie Drake London. These guys have made this team much more explosive, and then their defense also not giving up the big play. Cincinnati lost all three of their games. They're three and three on the final play of the game. Their offensive line, though, big problem. They've allowed the second most sacks in the NFL this year, 22 sacks. Uh, so they've got to find a way to clear that up. And Cincinnati just has not looked like in all six of their games, 
the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. I think they're going to escape here and win 27-24, but I'm going to grab the six points here on the Atlanta Falcons again. For more, subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Seattle at 3-3 three three will take on the 4-2 and two Los Angeles Chargers in a Week 7 matchup. Both teams have dealt with injuries early in the year, but for the Chargers and Justin Herbert, it's been about staying afloat in a highly competitive division until reinforcements arrive. In the process, they could leave Sunday on a four-game winning streak. Geno Smith and the Seahawks have been an exciting surprise this season, but with success, of course, comes a rise in expectations, too. A win over the Chargers combined with a San Francisco loss would put Seattle in the driver's seat of the NFC West. Rookie running back Kenneth Walker III, who has 29 carries for 185 yards and two TDs over the last two games, can help continue the fun run for Seattle. Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks and Daniel Wade from Locked On Chargers have the pregame coverage for us. All right, it's time to get into the big key that's going to decide this game, Corbin. I mean, I think there's a different couple different ways I could see you going with this one. So where do you want to start? I think this really boils down to Seattle's defense. I don't expect that they're going to go out and score 19 points again. This team has too many good players, and this is a Chargers defense that's missing some key guys, including Joey Bosa. I just feel like with the struggles they've had in the secondary, this is a game the Seahawks should be able to score some points. So really, to me, if they want to win this game, it's on defense. Can you corral Austin Eckler? Don't let him dominate the game as a receiver in particular. They've had their issues defending the run, but they've been really bad for multiple years running, defending screens and defending running backs that can really be a threat out of the backfield. So can you contain him and can you get to Justin Herbert? I haven't mentioned the pass rushers, including Achena Nuosu, who Chargers fans know very well, but Nuosu is having a fantastic first year in Seattle. He was player of the week in week one. This has been a perfect scheme for him. And going up against Sawyer, sixth-round pick, rookie out of Georgia that's built more like a guard, I think that is a matchup that I couldn't mention last quarter, but that should be in favor of Uchenna Nuosu. And Daryl Taylor on the other side going up against Pipkins, he is a blazing, speedy athlete off the edge. He's had his issues defending the run. He's light, but as a situational pass rusher, last week had a strip sack, had four pressures, really his best game of the season. I like the athleticism they have there. The question is, can you find a way to get to Justin Herbert? The Broncos were able to get some pressure on him. He had to unload the football very quickly. He's limited with his weapons. That's a great way to take Mike Williams out of the game right there if you can get pressure. So I think those are the two keys. Can you find a consistent way to get pressure on Herbert and force him to get the ball out quickly? And most importantly, not eliminate, but limit the the effectiveness for Austin Eckler. You can't let him take over the game like Alvin Kamara seems to do every time they play against him. They had their issues with McCaffrey the few times they faced the Panthers. Those type of running backs give this team issues. So can you build off of last week and get those stops in the run game and limit Eckler's effectiveness as a receiver while getting that pass rush going? If you can do that on defense – I'm confident the Seahawks can score some points in this game, and if they're able to get some stops, it gives them a much better chance to go into SoFi Stadium and get the victory. 
Yeah, I, I think that's huge. I mean, on the other side, I mean, Khalil Mack going up against a couple of rookie tackles is something that's going to be a huge factor in this game that we didn't talk about as well. I mean, he was great last week. I think for me, I'm going to kind of go back to one of your key things as far as the Chargers key for this game. It is also on defense because I do think the Chargers, especially with Corey Lindsley back, their guy directing things up front and really setting up all of the protections and really has been a tremendous help for Justin Herbert. That's going to be huge. Whether or not Keenan Allen, that's what sucks, right? We have to do this show not knowing if someone like Keenan Allen is going to play because if I knew Keenan Allen was going to play, I would think about this game completely differently. I don't know that. So I think on defense is going to be the biggest key for the Chargers if they want to win this game. Can the Chargers front seven corral Kenneth Walker and Geno Smith? Can you keep Geno Smith in the pocket and not let him have those couple of drives that get extended with his legs that end up turning into points, right? That could be the difference in this game if you think it's going to be a close game. And Kenneth Walker specifically, can you not give up that one explosive run that you were able to do last week? You got that win because I do think one thing we did see from Brandon Staley, which was super encouraging last week, is when they were able to get those stops on early downs, when they were able to pin Russell Wilson to the Broncos offense back, the design blitzes from Brandon Staley last week were the best that they've been all season. They had instant pressure. They had unblocked guys coming in, and Russell Wilson just never stood a chance. Geno Smith's a little bit more mobile than that, but for me, if the Seahawks are able to just get whatever they want on the ground, if Geno Smith is able to kind of you know direct things with his legs up front in combination with Kenneth Walker, I think it's going to be a really, really long day for the Chargers defense. If they can get those stops, if they can push them back into those third and longs and get into some of those packages they were last week, Maybe those are the couple of stops that end up winning you this game because I, I think both teams are going to score in this one. I, I don't have a lot of trust in the Chargers defense to really shut down the Seahawks offense by any means. Maybe they can have Geno have, you know, one of the couple of poorer games that he has this season because there's a couple of games where he's only been okay. Maybe they can create that for this week. But I don't have a lot of ton of faith in it, which is why I'm definitely picking a more of a high-scoring game, I think, in this one. Corbin, where are you going with your prediction for how this game plays out? I just watched the Seahawks completely go opposite direction from what I anticipated on Sunday. But yeah, I'm going to go high scoring because I just don't have, I have to see the Seahawks defense play well multiple weeks in a row. Same. Yeah. And they played well against an offense that has a lot of weapons, but the Cardinals have just been terrible most of this year. And yeah. so, and they, they were getting in the red zone, then they were going forward and forth down and throwing the football when the Seahawks haven't been able to stop anybody running the ball. I mean, there were a lot of things that worked in Seattle's favor in that game. Yeah. I don't think the Chargers are going to come out and be that bullheaded about some of the things in terms of fourth downs. I mean, they'll go for fourth sure. downs, but I expect they're going to run the football and they're going to test Seattle where they've really struggled most of this season. And so, I expect it's going to be a game where Geno Smith's going to have a lot put on his shoulders, and he's shown he can do it. So I think the Seahawks are going to make this very interesting. But I think that the Chargers at home, playing in L.A., ironically, Pete Carroll, all those years at USC, he has not had success in the NFL in L.A. And so they've got to get over that curse here. I don't think they're going to find a way to do it. I think it's going to be a very close game, but – this is how high scoring I'm going. I'm going 33 to 30. I think Seattle was right with them late, but I think the Chargers are just going to have a few too many things going for them. And I just, this defense has not shown me consistency. And so until I see multiple games in a row from that defense playing at a really high level, hard to me to have faith that they're going to be able to do that against Justin Herbert, even if he is missing some of his weapons. Still feel like they have enough guys. And with Lindsey most likely coming back, that line's going to be playing better. It just seems like this is a game maybe the Chargers, just a slightly better team on paper, win this one at home by three. But I could see it going either way. 
Yeah, I like right around. I mean, if there's a prize picks projection for the total of this one, right, I would go more than, right, I think is what Corbin Smith is trying to tell you there. I could see that, man. Like, that's kind of how I see it playing out. I mean, the Chargers have just given them too many big plays defensively to think that going up against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's not going to be a problem. Going up against Kenneth Walker is not going to be a problem, and I think the Seahawks are going to make them keep up. Can they tap into those offensive performances that they had versus the Browns, that they had versus the Texans? We're going to have to see. I, I mean, I think it's – I have the same margin. I'm going 31 Chargers, 28 Seahawks in this one. Then I'm going to sweat it out until Sunday because I don't even have a ton of faith in that as we sit here right now with the uncertainties, right? And I think for this game, for the Chargers to have a chance to go to 5-2 and two at the bye week, right, with the them being just absolutely ravished by injuries, right? I mean, losing four of their probably top 10 players – on this team so far, missing a majority of the season. That would be huge for them. And for the Seahawks, I think it's continuing to be like, hey, we are for real in the NFC West. We can hang with all of these teams, right? And we're just fine without Russell Wilson and actually making Geno Smith look better than Russell Wilson has in a few years. So I'm really excited for this one, Corbin. I mean, I think it's definitely going to be close, and I think it's definitely going to be high scoring. Yeah, I think we can both agree with that, which means it's going to be like last week and suddenly both these teams are going to become defensive It's going to be 13 to 10. I, just, yeah. I can't see that happening a second straight week. And the Cardinals and the Seahawks, like I said, they just always have the weirdest games, like that 6-6 tie that happened. Yeah. I think that was 2016 or 2017. I think it was 16 because that was the end of the Stephen Hauschka era. But seeing the kickers missing easy field goals, like they always just have really bizarre games and Sunday was no different seeing two teams with all the offensive firepower that the Cardinals Seahawks have scoring a 19-9 game. Like, it yeah. just wasn't what anybody was expecting. I can't see that happening a second game in a row, especially with Justin Herbert, the way that he can light up secondaries, the run game they've got, Seattle's weapons, Geno Smith playing like a top-five quarterback for most of this season. I just – I'm anticipating there's going to be a lot of points. So get your popcorn ready. I do think yeah. it's going to be a fun one at SoFi. And now from Locked on Bets, here's Lee Sterling. This is Lee Sterling from Locked on Bets and Paramount Sports with your bet online prediction for the game between the Los Angeles Chargers at home laying six and a half points against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, what's been the biggest difference in Seattle and the reason they've been competitive this year? Well, believe it or not, Geno Smith. Geno Smith is completing 75% of his passes and has nine touchdowns with only two interceptions. The running game, I thought could be a problem. Rashad Penny, when he got hurt a game and a half ago, I thought the downturn in the running game would be a reason they might have some problems going forward. Well, Kenneth Walker III, second round draft pick from Michigan State is picked up where Penny left off. He's gained 185 yards in the last game and a half, and he looks to be a real plus going forward. So I'm concerned about the Seattle defense, ranked bottom three, bottom four in the NFL, and yards allowed, but it looks like the Chargers aren't much better. They rank 24th in total defense. So two similar defenses here, the line almost a touchdown, and the Chargers, maybe the biggest reason I'm gonna go with the Seahawks, well, red zone problems. Third and short, fourth and short, and once they get in the red zone, just can't seem to put it in the end zone and score touchdowns. And then on top of that, Dustin Hopkins, their kicker, will be out until mid November. So they're going to have to sign another kicker. Seems like it goes on and on. All these injuries and special teams problems for the Chargers. Let's take the points here. Chargers might prevail, something like 28, 26, but I'm taking the six and a half points here. And the Seattle Seahawks, 
For more, subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. With 24-7 professional monitoring, when a threat is detected, Simply Safe's monitoring professionals promptly contact you and dispatch first responders to your home, even if you're away or unable to respond. Their 24-7 professional monitoring costs under a dollar a day. That's less than half the cost of ADT's traditional installed plans. Their monitoring experts use proprietary response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. So don't miss this chance to save big when you protect your home with the best. Get 40% off your order when you visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL today. You can customize the perfect system for your home today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. The Chiefs lost at home to the Buffalo Bills in week six in what feels destined to be an AFC battle for years to come. Calling for a bounce back game against San Francisco is no small ask, but so long as 17 touchdown four interception Patrick Mahomes can connect with stud tight end Travis Kelsey, you have to like the Chiefs chances. The 49ers are coming off a poor performance of their own, losing 28 to 14 to the Atlanta Falcons, and that raises plenty of cause for concern. Having their injury-riddled defense take on Mahomes after falling to the likes of Marcus Mariota doesn't exactly scream bounce-back opportunity on that side. Ryan Peacock from Locked On 49ers joins Ryan Tracy and Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs to preview this game. I love this matchup. I think it's a really important matchup. The Niners cannot fall below 500. They're at 3-3 three and three right now. And the Chiefs, while the AFC West hasn't been as competitive as we once thought, I mean, we got AFC seeding, which is really important. And obviously, this is a Super Bowl rematch. And on top of all of it, the 49ers are having a 10-year reunion with the 2012 team with Harbaugh, Kaepernick. Like, it's going to be a spectacle at Levi Stadium Sunday. Like, uh, I can't wait for this one. This one is a game that I think is going to be circled. It's going to be a must-watch game, and I think it's really important for both football teams. Do you feel the same vibe from Kansas City side, Chris, is this a game where it's like this This game is super important? You know, I think you look at Kansas City and I think when you start looking at the AFC in general, you look at the Buffalo Bills and that's who Kansas City is going to be chasing the entire season. So every game becomes important because you got to try to keep within, you know, a little bit of a distance of the Buffalo Bills. So you have to win every single game from here on out if you want a chance to have the number one seed in the playoffs. That's going to be a long shot because they basically have to finish a game above them. Uh, at this point, they're two games back. Uh, and then you also have to worry about the division and the Chargers right now are in the same boat Kansas City is. And so to me, I think this is important for not just the standings, but also to get back on track and go into the bye week the right way. Go in with a win. Go in with something that makes you feel good about what you've done so far this season. Croc, do you have Jim Harbaugh come in and give you the pregame speech? I think if he did, the 49ers might have a little bit better luck. I saw some videos floating around, and it was kind of a montage of Jim Harbaugh, and I was like, "Man, I miss." I he was miss a, he was a, a special human being uh, in, in a lot of good and bad ways. A very interesting guy. He came in and instantly turned a roster that we didn't realize was as good as it was into an instant winner, like legitimate, a bully. Like this team was good from jump under Jim Harbaugh, but he ground everyone around him into a fine powder. And that ended, we saw very gloriously and very quickly in only four short years with the 49ers. <laughs> uh, wow. What a team, what, what, what a bunch of teams those were the 49ers back on track, you know, in Super Bowl mode, trying to get back to the Super Bowl. And uh, who knows, maybe it'll be the Kansas city chiefs that they face in the Super Bowl, but they've got to get through week seven first. So 
Uh, I will let the away team start, Chris. Do you have any predictions for Week 7 with the Chiefs at 49ers? You know, the one thing that makes me a little nervous about this game is that they know the buy is coming, and you hope that they're not just trying to get to a point where they're like, well, we need to get through this game, try to get a win, but they're looking forward to being off. Uh, you can't do that against any team. I think that's really what kind of happened with the Colts game is they overlooked the Colts, and you don't need to do that with any NFL team. Anybody can win on any given Sunday. And that really is that really is true in this league. So, to me, I think Kansas City needs to come out and they need to show that they still have the offensive firepower to put up a lot of points. And if you look at the 49ers' injuries, at least what they had on Wednesday, it looks like they're going to be possibly without Nick Bosa. There's a lot of other players, like you've already kind of mentioned, uh, that could be out. And if Kansas City goes into that game, they should win, and they should win probably pretty handily. I'd say it's going to be 28-20 maybe Kansas City. Croc, uh, is is the real key matchup in this game Nick Bosa versus the refs? Are they actually going to call holding this time like they didn't do in the Super Bowl? <laughs> you know, I, I think so far what we've seen is they are reluctant to throw the flag. I, I feel like that's one of those things they can do every single play. Nick Bosa is extremely good, and I think in that Super Bowl he had a ton of pressure. So what was it like? It was double-digit pressures he had in the Super Bowl, and I, I'm not sure if he got home to the quarterback. He's coming off of an injury. But he is a guy that is balls to the wall. He's full go, 100% every single rep, and you have to account for him. So uh, if there is a hampered tackle out there for the Kansas City Chiefs, that can definitely mean a lot of trouble for Patrick Mahomes, and, and he's rushed. Now, the good thing with Patrick Mahomes is he can counter some of that rush with being able to move. But if you kind of mush the pocket a little bit, and we'll see if, again, I talked about X-Factors for Kansas City. The X-Factor for the 49ers might be Drake Jackson, who in – Half the amount of snaps has the same amount of sacks as Aiden Hutchinson, who is the number two overall pick. Three sacks for the rookie. He's tied for the league lead for all rookies right now. He's the X factor in this game. To pay a lot of attention to Nick Bosa and they're trying to trip him, double him. Can Drake Jackson win his one-on-one matchups on the other side? And if so, I think that can be something that kind of is kind of the equalizer in this game. Yeah, that, and I said the same thing last week. If Bosa can't go... Uh, I still thought the 49ers could win that game, but I wasn't going to give up the six and a half points or whatever it was that the 49ers were favored against the Atlanta Falcons on the road. And I kind of feel the same way this week. I think the 49ers could beat the Kansas City Chiefs, but they need to be at full power. They need to play a really good football game here. They got to get some of these guys back. They got to get Trent Williams back. They got to get Nick Bosa back. And I just can't see them really making this game close enough and potentially knocking off the Chiefs if they don't have that guy, those guys back. So I think we'll have to wait and see before I can really give my slam dunk prediction on this one. But uh, it's hard on paper right now with how banged up the 49ers are to predict a win against the Kansas City Chiefs with how good they are. Um, but as we know, and you mentioned it, Chris, the ball is oblong. It bounces funny, and any team any week can win in the NFL. And I have a feeling this is just going to be – a good one and be at least somewhat close. So I'm, I'm going to give it to the chiefs, but I think it's going to be by a field goal. Now bet online has the coverage of the lines ahead of this matchup. This is bet online all access. It's the chiefs and 49ers this weekend. Here's Drew Butler, Anthony Beck and Jonathan Casillas. 
the Super Bowl rematch of a couple of years ago, the Kansas City Chiefs heading out to the Bay to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Anthony, the Chiefs are three-point favorites. Yeah, or the 49ers are Jekyll and Hyde to me. I just don't know what you're going to get week in, week out. I'll go with the team that can score points and the Chiefs on the road after a loss. I like the Chiefs. Well, look for the Chiefs to score points this week and limit the other team led by Chris Jones on the defense because, look, man, that man's a beast, so I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah, 49ers really banged up on defense, especially on the offensive line. If they have any chance, they're going to need to run the ball, dominate time of possession, keep Mahomes and company off the field. I don't think they can do that. So I'll lay the short number here, give up the three with the Chiefs. Thanks, guys. Get Kansas City, San Francisco, and all of your NFL action at Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. On Sunday night, Tua Tungavailoa will play for the first time since suffering that concussion on September 29th against the Bengals. With an abundance of caution following two painful weeks for the Dolphins quarterback, will Tua bounce back into rhythm for the Miami offense, or could some rust open the door for the Steelers to make a game of it? Kenny Pickett has been what we often expect for rookie quarterbacks, some flashes of potential and some growing pains as well. The uninspired offensive line play has not helped matters, surrendering 13 sacks through six games so far. Now, if Pickett doesn't clear concussion protocol, enter Mitch Trubisky, who will step back under center for Pittsburgh. For either quarterback, it'll be about capitalizing on the surprising win over Tampa Bay last week and maybe finding some slight footing in the crowded AFC North. Christopher Carter from Locked on Steelers and Kyle Krabs from Locked on Dolphins have this Sunday night tilt. I am looking to see whether or not the Dolphins can get the turnover bug or, or the, the turnover drought off their back. They have yeah. forced one turnover defensively in the last five games. That's And that's for, for a team that has feasted over the last two years when they've won 19 games over the last two seasons on turning opposing offenses over, it hasn't been there. And, you know, as a result of some of the, the injuries in the cornerback room, Byron Jones is still on the PUP. Uh, Nick Needham, the starting nickel corner, has been playing outside in his absence. Well, he just tore his Achilles last weekend, and uh, he's out for the season. They signed Mackenzie Alexander in training camp, and he was there for a week before he had a season-ending injury. They had a second-year corner in Trill Williams, who they were really excited about, and he had a season-ending injury the first week of camp. So they, they've really taken some hits at corner, and as a result, they've had to change how they're playing their coverages. And because they're playing a little softer to protect their guys, that pass rush that they've been so known for hasn't been able to consistently get home without the quarterback getting the ball underneath his check down. So mm. the turning point for me is, can the Dolphins force the Steelers quarterbacks to either just consistently live in that quick perimeter game that you were talking about, Chris, mm -hmm. and they'll be plenty willing and happy because that was the formula for them to beat the Buffalo Bills. And as right. you said, you know, with some of those Steelers games, when the defense is out there 90 plays, the Dolphins defense was out there in that game 90 plays. Josh Allen threw the ball like 62 times, but everything was effectively within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, you can one, if you can force them to live in that world, that's fine. But if you can't, can you force them to hold the ball, extend some plays, and then let the pass rush get home? So sacks and turnovers are the two big things for me, as should be the case in most games that you play. But they've been absent for Miami the last couple of weeks. So if Miami can get a couple early hands on the ball, strip a ball out, set themselves up on a short field, I think that can be a really good turning point. 
and listen, I host Locked On Dolphins, so I'm mm-hmm. gonna say law of averages eventually is gonna come into play here. I hear you, and I think I think they do it. They're at home, so I think they do it. Uh, I think this is gonna be another close game, though. You know, I look at the Dolphins, and uh, I I don't think defensively they are just gonna be completely stalwarting teams. Uh, because of the the injuries that they've taken in the secondary, they really can't squeeze and vice you the way that you want to. So probably 26-21 Dolphins or something like that. I, I do bet that they get the turnovers that have been really hard to come by the last couple of weeks, but uh, I'm expecting it's an exciting game on Sunday night. I, th- I think it's going to be exciting too, and I think that's a good thing to look at as far as as far as the turnover game. The Steelers right now have fifth most forced turnovers because I think that's what's going to determine this game. And I think this is a this is a coin flip game. I, I haven't looked at the lines for this game as far as the betting lines, but for me, like I, I would put this at both teams. Whoever gets the late turnover is going to win the game, and and, and or if you know if they get early turnovers, can they score off of them to set up a, a big lead? But I, I truly think these are two offenses. Even though I mean I think you know, the Dolphins are much farther along in their offense than the Steelers are right now, and of, but of course they need Tua to kind of get back into the fold and, and right. feel that to get going. Um, I, I think that the Steelers on defense with their guys coming back, they went and got the, they went and they made sure they kept Witherspoon. They added Levi Wallace. They kept Cam Sutton so that they could have three veteran cornerbacks that Minka Fitzpatrick can talk to roll around. They got, they kept, they brought back Terrell Edmonds. Uh, they brought in Demonte KZ. Looks like he might be ready next week, not this week. Um, and they've been waiting for him to be healthy again, but even without him, They've been, when they were in there and they're not playing 100 snaps a game, those guys are flying all over the place. They're trying to confuse. They're trying to confuse quarterbacks. They confuse Joe Burrow a lot in Week One. Um, you know, and Minka Fitzpatrick, he's got three interceptions on the season. I think that a, a week's rest was exactly what he needed. I didn't expect them to beat the Buccaneers last week uh, with without him and their top three corners and Pat Frymuth all gone. All those guys are coming back. I just see with those guys returning, the defense feeling more rested, being able to play the way that they will. And I just I'm not convinced that the Dolphins have the offensive line or the solidified running game to kind of bruise the Steelers because that's where that's where I think a lot of their faults have been. You know, the Patriots offense didn't crush the Steelers until the late part of the game when they just started running the football. That Bill Belichickian way where he just he when once he gets his offensive line going, he keeps feeding you know insert running back's name here. That's just what he's always done since he's since he's been coaching the Patriots, and they were able to use that to crush the Steelers defense in the end. I'm not so sure that the Dolphins have that that advantage. I think the one of the things that the Steelers have on their side is with Minka Fitzpatrick back this week, as we we, we presume he's going to be the way that they're talking about it and the, and the and the participation that he had in Wednesday's practice. I think it limits the Dolphins' ability to get the big plays like they did. Like you know, watching that Ravens game was crazy in Week Two. I was like, whoa, what is happening there? I think that they limit those and it forces Tua to make some decisions that he doesn't like. And it'll come down to can the Steelers secondary make plays on the football? I think they do. But like you, I think this goes down to the wire. I think this is close. I'm going with the Steelers 24-23, but I don't blame anybody picking the Dolphins in this game. The Steelers haven't been consistent. This is just more so I think that they've they felt something last week. They they got they grabbed something last week and they're not gassed. You know, after that Bengals game, they were they were in you know, the defense, they wouldn't say it, but they were gassed going into the next game. And then they had a Thursday night game right after that and i'm like guys you're averaging 90 snaps a game you know this this ain't gonna work and you saw the browns just kind of mow them over with their with their rushing offense i think that that plays to their favor and the big thing is like i said late third quarter early fourth quarter who starts making the biggest mistakes i think both quarterbacks are going to be a little bit conservative you know to start they're going to take safe throws let their you you take the easy reads let their wide receivers be the playmakers in this game but eventually 
It's going to come down to who can make that big play and not and, and take the big risk without getting picked off. I think the Steelers get this one just because I think their secondary is going to be a little bit healthier, you know, noting, you know, what the what the Dolphins are going through. But like I said, Kyle, I don't blame you for picking the Dolphins because the Steelers, I've I've uh, I've I've made I've, I've made myself look good by not picking them a couple times this year. <laughs> BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. You can find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. We close out week seven on Monday night with the New England Patriots and Chicago Bears. Both these teams came into 2022 with real questions to be answered. In the case of Chicago, things have gotten steadily worse, with Justin Fields struggling to find consistency with an underwhelming wide receiver room. Fields is completing under 55% of his passes on the year. Now for New England, Bill Belichick has found a way to turn a sluggish start into a 500 mark on the year so far and maintain the Patriots' presence in the playoff picture. Surprisingly, it's the play of the third-string quarterback, Bailey Zappi, that has reignited the offense, most recently torching the Browns to the tune of 309 yards and two touchdowns. Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears and Mike Diabate from Locked on Patriots have this Monday night coverage. Lauren, we've talked about defensive matchups, offensive matchups, quarterbacks, concerns. Um, surprisingly, the name Nikhil Harry has not come up. My listeners are definitely happy about that, but we know this could sneaky be his debut, and what an amazing debut it would be to have him come back against his former club. Um, but all kidding aside, my friend, uh, this one always comes down to the matchups. It comes down to coaching matchups, but it also comes down to who plays better on the field. And when we talk about game predictions, if the Bears are to pull this out, in your opinion, how do they do it? And how do you see this one playing out on Monday night in Foxborough? Yeah, I, I have very little confidence in the Bears being able to pull this one out. I mean, I I really thought last week against the Commanders, the Bears needed to come out and show the league that, hey, like they're a lot better than bad teams like the Washington Commanders. And to lose that game, the Bears really established themselves as a legitimately not good football team. So I, if, if the Bears were to pull something off like this, you know, it, it would take a lot of things clicking all of a sudden in a way that they just haven't consistently this season. The Bears have been a very good second half team, but Bill Belichick said as much in his seven minute opening press conference ramble about <laughs> all the nice things he had to say about the Bears, which usually is a sign of Bill Belichick talking about a team that's not very good. He spends time complimenting teams that aren't very good, but he pointed out like they've only given up two touchdowns in second halves all season, and they've been largely outscoring opponents really well in, in that area of the field. So if the Bears are going to win, they need to have a much better first half than we've seen from them. They need to come out a little bit more proactive instead of reactive at halftime mm -hmm. like they have been and really you know, get things rolling more in rhythm with Justin Fields earlier in the game rather than later in the game when it finally seems to start to click and defensively to kind of stay a step or two ahead of a young quarterback like Bailey Zappi. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I do think they will play well in the second half, and Patriots might not score in the second half, but they may score plenty enough points in the first half cannot need to score at least not touchdowns in the second half. So if I had to put numbers on it, you know, I would probably put the Patriots pretty comfortable in this one. I'd say like, you know, 24 to 10 or 24, 13 Patriots where they're not going to, I don't think they'll put up the 38 they got against Cleveland last week, but I don't think they'll have too much trouble. And, you know, the bears score a touchdown in the second half to bring it back into something a little bit more closely, but 
overall. I think Zappi's wild run, assuming he's starting, or if it's Mac Jones coming back, either one, I think that they should be able to continue a lot of the success that they've had, and the Bears will ultimately make them earn it in the second half, but not not have them sweating too much when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think we're actually like-minded in this one, and not to be too much of a homer, but I do see the Patriots having the advantage in this one for a lot of the reasons we discussed in the previous segment. I don't think the Patriots are going to try to test Chicago's secondary all that much and try to beat them through the air. They're going to continue the same formula that they've used for the last two and a half games. It's worked very well. Control the short intermediate area of the field, utilize play action to facilitate the run and vice versa, and also utilize your two tight end sets and maybe even take a deep shot every now and then with your uh, wide receivers. But those will be very few and far between. I only think the deep shots come if Mac Jones plays in this game. If it's Bailey Zappi, he's going to continue to do what he does best, and that is utilize play action under center to facilitate short yardage gain. I think that's how the Patriots control the clock, control the tempo, and ultimately I think they'll drain a lot of time off using Ramondre Stevenson as their lead back. Even if Damian Harris is able to go in this game, Ramondre is still going to get the uh, majority of the carries, and that's going to be something that Chicago is going to have to be able to try to contain. And up till this point, Chicago's run defense has been suspect, and I think the Patriots realize that, and they can utilize that to their advantage. So I like the New England Patriots in this one by a final of 24-14, to 14, but I agree with you. I don't think the Patriots are going to score at will. I think in the second half, you're going to see those clamps come down from Chicago and try to make this a little bit more of a game. The Patriots want to control this. They've got to get out to a fast start. By scoring multiple touchdowns in a game, it sounds exciting for, for Bears fans. So if they get to 14, that would be that'd be a, a fun back and forth there for sure. <laughs> so, so just to sort of recap here, in this Bears-Patriots matchup, I think both teams are going to want to run the ball and kind of mm-hmm. – take the pressure off of, of their young quarterback, whoever it might be starting for right. the Patriots in this game. And both teams feel like they can find an advantage with a lot of their skill talent in that backfield. Both teams running the ball really well this season. Offensive lines may be even better in run blocking than in pass protection from what we've seen. And that, that could lead to a, a lower scoring game. You know, if you're looking at betting the over under, maybe, maybe the under could be an intriguing option there. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll change everything in this time off and <laughs> switch to deep shots on play action all game long. But I don't know. It could make it, it could make for a little bit more of a lower scoring defensive battle. But like you were saying, like I, I think we both trust the Patriots defense to be able to stop the bears running game a little bit more than the bears defense to be able to stop the Patriots running game. Plus just the, the last couple of games we've seen of Bailey Zappi being able to have pretty good, production despite not being that deep ball receiver like you said i mean they can they can nickel and dime this bears defense down the field we saw the vikings do that on a 17 play seven minute drive in the fourth quarter a couple of weeks ago so there's there's some vulnerability there that i just think over the course of a game the the bears will keep it tough at the end but i don't think the bears can hold them down at least early enough in the game to, to keep a deficit within reach and maybe they'll try and keep it close down the stretch but that that 10 to 14 point kind of victory feels about right yeah, I think so as well. I think that uh, the Patriots get this one by about 10. But again, you mentioned earlier about the Patriots secondary. If Justin Fields can test that, that could change the complexity of this game. So before any Bears fan goes into this game thinking this one's wrapped up, it's done before it ever started, that's why they play these games on the field, folks. Anything and everything can happen. The New England Patriots, as well as they're playing right now and as happy as our fan base is, and they have every right to be, they're not a juggernaut that can't be you know, moved at this point. So 
anything and everything can happen. And uh, I'm looking forward to this game because anytime these two franchises get together, there's always memorable moments, whether it be the 86 Super Bowl or whether it be something a little more fun for us to remember. Tom Brady juking Brian Urlacher. But, you know, there's always a lot of history between these two franchises. And I, for one, cannot wait to watch this one on Monday from Gillette. And now from Locked on Bets, here's Lee Sterling. This is Lee Sterling from Locked on Bets and Paramount Sports with your bet online prediction for the game between the New England Patriots at home laying eight points against the Chicago Bears. One thing I've learned in gambling, don't ever underestimate Bill Belichick, one of the greatest coaches of all time for the Patriots. The last two weeks with a four-string quarterback, Bailey Zappi, they've outscored Detroit and Cleveland by the tune of 67 to 15. Chicago Bears, they're in games. They just can't get it done in the red zone. In fact, last week against the Washington Commanders, 11 snaps inside the six-yard line. They were unable to score even one touchdown. So their problems continue on offense. I think it all starts with their offensive line. Their offensive line just can't protect Justin Fields. In fact, he's been pressured on almost 50% of his dropbacks this season. (laughs) They have so many problems on offense, and when he doesn't have a clean pocket, they're just not going to be able to score. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it. Take the New England Patriots here, 27-9 over the Chicago Bears. For more, subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Week 7 is where discussions of contenders or pretenders come into the narrative. The trade deadline looms, and teams look to solidify their 2022 outlook. Each and every week, we'll continue to bring you all of the insight and analysis from across our Locked On Network. I'm Jordan Black, and this has been NFL Key Predictions.